0: hello everyone and welcome to western conference wednesday here on locked on nhl today we are going to make some way too early predictions as well as a little game of 20 questions
1: you're locked on nhl your daily podcast on the national hockey league part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On NHL, or welcome to Locked On NHL as uh, we're diving into Western Conference Wednesday as we are wrapping up August. It's hard to believe the summer is almost gone. As always, I'm Jess Belmasto here with you, as well as Battle of Alberta's other half, Brett Holden of Locked On Oilers. How are you, Brett?
1: I'm not too bad. You mentioned how summer is uh, kind of winding down. Somebody put it on one of my social media people, I guess. Uh, they said that August is their Sunday scaries of the summer yes. and that's how I'm certainly feeling right now. I'm feeling September's on what, Tuesday or Thursday, excuse me? So I'm like, yeah. "Oh."
0: Yep, oh. I I started classes this week, so like Ooh. I'm just already kind of like, "Okay, <laughs> my summer's over." <laughs> time yeah. to jump back into hockey yeah. but I figured today we could kind of see we have a better picture of what the off season has looked like and what teams are shaped up to versus say four or five weeks ago and I thought today we could jump in with some fun crazy questions that um, might get some people thinking and I'm always excited to just kind of have like more of a conversational not debate but hear what other people have to have to say but before we do that please remember to subscribe to locked on nhl wherever you get your podcasts we are free and available on all platforms including youtube okay who okay which team or teams overachieve for you
1: there are a couple maybe not necessarily a couple but I there were a few where I was like Is this technically an overachievement? Is it not an overachievement? Are they underachieving? For me, and I say this kind of not necessarily tongue-in-cheek, but a little hesitantly, but I say the overachievers will be the Vancouver Canucks. I I think there's a lot to like about the Vancouver Canucks, a lot to like about what they did in the offseason. Obviously, they brought in uh, Ilya Mikheyev as well as, uh, uh, I keep wanting to call him Evgeny, but it's not Evgeny. It is uh, Andre Kuzmenko, excuse me I keep saying thinking Kuz, I'm like, oh, Evgeny Kuznetsov No, Andre Kuzmenko, who is in a, a big battle Not battle, but a lot of teams wanted his services Vancouver ended up winning He feels like it's at home there And their forward core is very impressive and exciting Obviously, they have Thatcher Demko in the net And it's tough to get much better than that But the defense for me is just too big of a question mark. I think they'll go far, and I think they'll do well – but I think once you get into the, the grind of the season, you get in maybe if the, the Vancouver Canucks do make the playoffs. I don't think that defensive core can really push them to the next edge or the next step, really. And I think that's why I think they're just going to be overachievers. There's just I think they're going to hit a bump in the road that's just going to be too much for them to overcome. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, for me, the Vancouver Canucks.
0: I definitely agree with you there. I think last week we called them like the sleepers of the Pacific because you know a lot of people have counted them out and myself included and then you know you look at the bigger picture of what what they've done their additions and um, bringing in uh, Bruce Boudreau and long term or at least for this season and I really like what he was able to do with the team last season with what he had to work with kind of reminded me of Daryl Sutter coming in and getting like the little trial period with the flames and then really being able to formulate something that can not necessarily win it all, but kind of get them back on the right track. And I would, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, Vancouver. And I also think that the LA Kings,
1: Mm. I do
0: have two teams from the Pacific here because I just think that this division got a whole lot better this summer. I think that, uh, you know, the Kings making the playoffs and taking Edmonton to seven games really gave them this confidence that they needed and kind of an identity because they Mm. were in that retooling, rebuilding phase. But now they kind of have... You know, a little bit of winning under their belt and a little experience, even though, you know, they are an incredibly young team, they, they got their feet wet and they know what it takes. And I am very much looking forward to what they have to bring.
1: Yeah, I can't lie. The LA Kings was certainly, or were one of those teams that was in the discussion for me. Uh, I just, I'm not sure how much, I guess it would be more of an overachievement, I guess, for the Kings. Uh, Obviously, like you said, they have the youth. Uh, They have guys like Drew Doughty coming back. We're not sure how much longer Jonathan Quick has, so it might be one of his last hurrahs to really go out there and try and stag another uh, Stanley Cup, whatever that may be, you know, and you have, obviously you s- you're starting to see the next era or the last era really start to leave here. You saw Dustin Brown retiring. You're sitting there going, okay, how much longer does Anjay have? How much longer does Jonathan Quick have? How much longer does Drew Doughty have? You're sitting there and going, okay, now you have the next generation. You have the Sean Derzies, You have the guys like, I- I'm a big Gabriel Velarde guy. You have tons of guys uh, just you sit there and who was it that threw that uh, big hit on? Arthur Kaliev on Connor McDavid I love Arthur Kaliev the kids got a little bite to him he can score he has the shot like Alex Ovechkin, a fantastic shooter as well for the uh, the LA Kings. I just I, I see a lot of very positive things from the LA Kings, and I can see that as well. I can see them kind of overachieving. Maybe a moment comes to them that is a little bigger. But like you mentioned, they did take the Edmonton Oilers to seven. They now have played in a hostile Game Seven. Game Seven wasn't in the Staples Center, and I'm calling it the Staples Center because it's it'll forever the
0: be center. It's I don't the care. Staples Center. It's the Staples Center. <laughs> Until they send us legal documents telling us to stop calling it that, it's the Staples Center. Yeah,
1: a little cease and desist on the <laughs> way. But, uh, yeah, no, they it, it wasn't there. It wasn't in L.A. It was in Edmonton, a great crowd. A lot of people have really pumped Edmonton's tires when it comes to uh, playoff home crowds, and it just seems like now that L.A. has been through that and their younger players, their younger core has been through that, now you sit there and go, okay, well, we've done that maybe this other team that we're playing in the playoffs hasn't maybe a Vancouver hasn't, you know, so I could definitely see LA being one of those uh, overachievers and hitting a snag at some point.
0: Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree there. And now on the other end of the spectrum, we do have the underachievers. Mm -hmm. I am going to say that it is going to be the Dallas stars and the Seattle Kraken, the Mm -hmm. Dallas stars have found themselves in the media lately because their owner came out and said, I don't like paying uh, guys coming out of their uh, ELC and they have to earn it. You have one of the best players in Jason Robertson and Mm -hmm. you don't want to pay him. And, you know, I, (sighs) I, could he just be saying this because he knows he messed up when it came to the Sagan and Ben contracts or it like trying to save face, but truly making it worse. You know, those two are on their way out the door and then you have players like Jake Ottinger coming in and uh, you know, Robertson and you know, those guys are going to get paid regardless of if they're in a stars uniform or not. So I just, I do think that because of the success that they saw in the playoffs, they are going to regress. That This seems to be a trend, a pattern of behavior, if you will, for the stars. And I'm just, I'm not confident that their core pieces can stay fully healthy. And then Seattle, just a mess. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. A mess is... Certainly, the right word for it, but I mean, they have their two young players.
0: Yeah, they have, you know, the two centers, and that's how you build around a team. So, fair I, enough. I, I just, I don't know their goalie situation. Just does not sit well with me.
1: There's a lot of moves that still need to be made with Seattle, and a lot of I, I think they still need a lot of top end talent. Obviously, they built kind of similar to. Uh, Vegas when they had theirs where they just picked a lot of depth guys and they tried to find their Alex Tucks, their their uh, uh, Jonathan Marcheseaux and guys like that, but they just haven't. I mean, they also got Jordan Eberle, who is a fantastic top end. Not fantastic top end, but he's still a, a finesse type guy <laughs> who who can go out there and play important minutes for a team. But other than that...
0: I don't really... Else? Yeah, you know, I think Ryan Donato's coming into his own, but that's, I don't know. I, I love him. I don't care what people in Boston and Minnesota say about him. I think that he just needed the right system, and he's found that in Seattle.
1: Yanni Gord as well, another fun player, uh, Brandon Tanev as well. So yeah. he's coming off a tough ACL injury. Um, I want to kind of go back to your uh, Jake, or your Jake, your uh, Dallas Stars talk, because I do want to talk a little bit about Jake Ottinger. They're not my underachievers, but they were one of those teams where I'm sitting there and going, yeah, maybe because Jake Ottinger is still technically an RFA. Mm-hmm. And you're, I'm taking a look at the, the roster and I'm, I'm, I get down to the goalies and I'm like, Where's Jake Ottinger? He's not even listed on the roster. Yes, he's technically tendered and a, a player for the Dallas Stars, but he's not even on here. You talk about the younger players that they're going to have to sign out of an ELC. Thomas Harley is a fantastic defenseman who can turn into something in the NHL. Uh, obviously, you got, like you mentioned, Jason Robertson, but they also have guys like Riley Tufty Logan Stankoven's going to be coming in for the Dallas Stars in the next couple of years as well. Uh, they have Wyatt Johnston as well, who just scored the game winning or tournament winning goal for team Canada in the uh, world junior championships tied DeLandria. Uh, they have a ton of guys. They and They just signed Matej Blumel, who was an Oilers draft pick out of his ELC into another ELC because he didn't play any minutes in the NHL. Then of course they also have Maverick Bork as well. They have a lot of young guys who are exciting and can really contribute to an NHL team that if you're not willing to invest in them, you're going to be in some major trouble in the next three to five years if you're the Dallas Stars.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think that they have started to dig themselves a hole. That hole is being dug, and it's yeah. a matter of them coming out of it. And I don't totally. know. I don't
1: know. Uh, totally agree. Uh, for me, I've my underachievers are... The St. Louis Blues, I'm keeping it in the central. And I have the St. Louis Blues because I think there's too many questions in their net. A lot of people, and even a lot of uh, maybe just more top-end scoring, more or less, from, from uh, St. Louis. I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, well, the goaltending situation isn't fantastic. I mean, you have Jordan Bennington, who is objectively a very solid goaltender when he's on but it's a matter of when he is on they they let go or did they Villy Huso left did he not he went he was Yeah he on. was a UFA Yes that's that's right so he was he was off and now they're sitting there and you're going okay we have to ride Bennington. You're sitting there and going, well, Tarasenko might go at some point this year. Yes, Kairu's come into his own. Yes, uh, you got guys all over the roster where you can go, okay, these guys are pretty solid. Brayton right? Shen, another one. And you're just going, but are those world beaters? Yes, you won the cup a couple years ago. David Perron left now as well. You're just sitting there going... What's left of this team from the the Stanley Cup winning team that well, you can yeah. sit there and be confident about what happens next? I just sit there and go, I, I'm not there with it for the St. Louis Blues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just, again, another team that has just an awkward goaltending situation because when Bennington starts to slip, he slips hard and fast. And it mm. does not um he doesn't recover quick enough like you know some goaltenders will go out and have like two bad performances and then they just you know they snap out of it but for Binnington it's just he is a very emotional player and I think that does not um bode well for him and it just kind of forces uh it brings out the worst in him
1: Hundred percent. I mean, you you take a look at what he did with Nazem Kadri in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, yes, you know, you have those little things where you're like, oh, he threw a water bottle, <laughs> you know, those little cute, funny things where you guys can talk about it for for years afterwards, yeah. where we can talk about it for years afterwards and point to it. But it, it may be little trivial things like that, but those little trivial things add up, and they uh, do. Are, they they stay stick with your character and tough to knock um let's move on to the coaches in just a second because there are some pretty interesting uh coaching situations around the western conference let's get to that in just a second but first I want to tell you all about our partners over at BetOnline BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season yes, college football and the NFL are back again this weekend find all the latest football league developments, game matchups news and podcasts including this year's opening week's games, yes as I just mentioned the opening week for both colleges you can get Lee Corso putting on his mascot helmet and everything else with the gay or what what's nfl red zone yes. oh, i love red zone I, I you can't get me off of red zone uh <laughs> that's all starting once again this weekend so if you're you're a big football fan it's all starting to pile up uh, bet online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information including live betting esports and scores The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports as well and events including the MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, NHL. I already mentioned the NFL. NBA is going to be starting up again soon. LeBron's going to play until he's 47. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Where we're going to continue is where a coach is potentially going to end. And that is where and who we think is on the hot seat for the coaches. Who is going to be the first coach fired this season in the Western Conference, Jess?
0: Uh, we just talked about St. Louis, and I'm going to go with, the, with Craig uh, Barubi. I think that he just has, you know, he's won a cup with them. So, like, that's, you know, already checked off on his box. Upper management, great. You brought that. All he does is complain. (laughs) And, you know, I think that it's kind of forced the referee's hands, if you will. Um, But I definitely just – I think that it's going to be him because he he has – pieces to work with but i think that the management has an expectation of winning yeah there that's see ya (laughs)
1: no i i I hear that i I, it's tough because one of our next questions i have them kind of lined up here but i'm sitting here and i'm going okay he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the nhl he's been with the uh st louis Blues since 2018 which feels like a fortnight ago um but you sit there and like you said he won a stanley cup with them since then it's been kind of a regression It's tough for me to say Craig Berube Because my dad is a massive Craig Berube guy He's, he, <laughs> Craig Berube a good old Berta boy as well So he brought the cup to Alberta And my dad went to it Apparently he knew him in high school too He saw him at yeah. like a, an airport I think the Vancouver airport This past summer Like a couple weeks ago So it, for me it was Personally it was tough to put him in there But I feel the same way I feel like there's just been a little bit of a regression progression since um the the Stanley Cup whether that's his fault whether that's the forwards whether that's front office whether that's we haven't even mentioned the defense as well uh if, whether that's Jordan Bennington. like there's a lot of different aspects that go into what potentially could have gone wrong or could go wrong in St. Louis and unfortunately the coach is normally always going to be the first one who gets the ax or gets everything dumped on him. So Baruby, I agree whether or not, despite the fact that he's been there for basically five years now, it's, it's tenure is only as good is only good when you're winning. Take a look at John Cooper. Um, But for me, my first coach to be fired, and this one might be a little bit of a, a low hanging fruit Mine is Dallas Eakins.
0: That was my second guy. Yep. It,
1: I expect so much, not maybe so much from Anaheim, but I expect decent things from Anaheim almost every year. Yeah. And then you sit back and you go, Oh, Dallas Eakins is behind the bench. And I remember sitting there watching Trevor Zegers in his first game and being so excited to watch the game that he, he's, he's going out there and producing. It's his first game in the NHL. He's an exciting player to watch. He can distribute the puck. He can shoot the puck. He can do Trevor Zegris type things. And then I remember going, why is he not out at this point? Why is he not out now? Why is he not here? Why is he not there? And then they'd show the bench and I'd go, oh, It's Dallas Eakins behind the bench. He doesn't know how to contain, doesn't know how to coach a young player to save his life, to save his life. I'm getting a little riled up about this because I'm sitting here remembering, oh my goodness, the Edmonton Oilers had Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Nail Yakupov. And guess what? Nail Yakupov is playing on the fourth freaking line. Why? Why? Oh, because Dallas Eakins has no trust in those players. So if you're a young player going into uh, Anaheim, you must be sitting there going, my coach doesn't care. He doesn't care. The guy who's been playing seven plus years, who hasn't really been producing for any team in the NHL, is going to be playing more minutes than me just because of his tenure. Meanwhile, I'm out here like a Mason McTavish producing every single night and doing something every single night. And then all of a sudden I'm on the bench because you'd rather have this guy who's 29 and has two bad knees out there in a Critical situation, and then all of a sudden, oh no, the puck's in the back of our net, and we're down by six. Right? It, 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 it just uh, there's so much that Anaheim needs to to finally figure out, and I think this should be the year for Anaheim. But I don't think they are going to do it under Dallas Eakins. And I think if, if it's not due to performance, then I think it just you need to to separate and sever ties with Dallas Eakins.
0: Yeah. You said it yourself. I, I haven't had to watch him coach any of my teams, but especially with, with Mason McTavish coming in, how are you going to play that guy with two bum knees, a broken hip, yep. a bad back over Zgris and McTavish? I don't know. It's just it's not ideal, especially with the promising future of mm. the young kids.
1: Well, I mean, you, you look at the, some of the players that they have on this team, the young players that are coming up, and they have an exciting group coming. I mean, Sasha Pastajov is another very exciting player, a uh, uh, player out of the uh, U.S. National Team Development Program. I mean, Troy Terry came into his own last year. I guess mm-hmm. he's 25 now, so I feel young, so I'm, I'm <laughs> still going to I'm going to give him that. And on the back end, too, you I mean you got guys like Jamie Drysdale coming up, Pavel Mint- uh, Mintikoff, got a bunch of guys. Olin Zelwiger, obviously, as well, who can really be something exciting for Anaheim, but he can only be exciting for Anaheim if Dallas Eakins is not in there. Sorry. Yeah. I just. I'm not, I, I was a Dallas Eakins guy when he came in with this uh, horrible Edmonton Oilers team over my, my shoulder here. And then I realized what he was doing. And you're just like, this isn't it. And you've seen it now in Anaheim for a team who should be better than they are. And now they're picking again, a, a lower level pick, you know? So it's just, there's, there's always something that's there and it's always Dallas Eakins. But let's move on to, we, we talked about some, or did we gave yours, yes, yes. Yeah. We started you with yours. I was like, oh my goodness, I went on this rant. <laughs> um, let's go on to the hot seat now. Who will be on a little bit of the hot seat in general around the Western Conference for some head coaches?
0: I, I'm i going with Dallas Eakins. I think that maybe Anaheim is starting to piece together what's going on and, you know, kind of realizing the common denominator here. And he's going to be on a short leash.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. And especially with... I don't want to, because uh, I've never been one of those believers that oh, the West or the the Pacific is weak. I don't think that at all. I think you take a look at uh, uh, the Central Division, you're like, oh, that's a division I don't want to be in. I think the Pacific has a lot of very good teams in it. I think they have a lot of uh, interesting and under the radar type teams. If we, as we've mentioned. In order for Dallas Eakins, Anaheim Ducks to, to really take off in this division, I think it's going to have to be with Dallas Eakins and somebody else comes in. Yeah. For me, I did have also Dallas Eakins. I have a pl- plethora almost of uh, coaches on the, the hot seat. I had e- Eakins. I have Andre Ter- uh, tergenet I can never say French names that don't have a, 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 some sort of silent letter in them. So I think it's uh, – to Journey, he coached one of the world junior teams. So I know who he is, people, but I can't say his name. Uh, another team, he's out there in Arizona. What does Arizona have to offer type stuff, you know? It, it, it's he's probably... Yeah. Uh, Hey, a vacation spot. He uh, he I think he's just going to become a victim of just a tough situation in general. Um, So I think he's he'll be on the hot seat. I also have John Hines as well from Dallas. I'm sitting there and just just like we, we said, there's maybe too many question marks around Dallas that if they start underachieving, They're going to panic and go, oh my goodness, we have Sagan, we have Ben, we have Robertson, we don't have Klingberg anymore, but we have Hockenpah, we have uh, uh, Heiskanen, we have, hopefully we can figure out this Jake Ottinger deal. We have a good team, but we're not playing well. Why? Well, maybe it's the system. Uh, Dave Haxall, another one I think he could just fall victim in Seattle of, uh, I mean, we've given you some chances. Not even some chances, because I don't think that, team is fantastic but i think maybe they sit there and go oh maybe we need to change something and i think hacksaw i don't i've never been a big fan of Haxall to begin with and i don't think he was the right guy to go with in seattle so hacksaw my pff, another one of those guys and then also on my hot seat as well craig baruby I, as, as we've gone, talked about at length as well. I just, if they do end up as they are one of my underachievers, if they do end up underachieving as a Stanley cup champion, less than five years ago, there may be something wrong. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah. A whole bunch of people, honestly, uh, the Western conference. And I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, one, two, three, three of those, are from the central. So the central is gonna be interesting. I wanted to throw in the Winnipeg Jets coach as well, but obviously Rick Bonus is brand, brand new. So unless they're they go like oh and twenty to start the season, I just don't don't see it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just I really don't have too much faith and really the central teams this year. Yeah. Even though I'm talking a lot about the Pacific, I I just I really think the Central is going to be the weaker team.
1: Mm-hmm. No, 100%.
0: But we do have some fun questions to wrap up the show with. We do. We do. We do. So stick around and find out. <laughs> All right. Would it be a show if we did not talk about Vegas?
1: No. no. All right.
0: Does time help Vegas's cap issues? Or does it just make it worse?
1: It makes it worse. Yeah. I'm sitting there. You, you you posed this question to me on when we were talking about the the show, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, maybe. But then I'm going through their their cap friendly page. I'm a big <laughs> cap friendly guy, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay. Well, currently they're sitting ten million dollars over the salary cap that you sit there and go, oh my goodness, that's bad. Yeah. They do technically have uh where is it? Uh 12 million dollars in cap relief. There it is. 12 million, 12.857 million dollars in LTIR relief. The issue is is that on the LTIR is Robin Leonard So if Robin Leonard comes back That is a 5 million dollar contract That in 5 million dollars That you're going to have to try and figure out How to bump off the roster And then bring back Robin Leonard At some point That doesn't help anything You already tried to move Dodonov last year At the at the uh, uh, deadline And we all saw how that happened And we all saw why it happened You already had to move Max Pacioretty Because of stuff like that and now what? You, you sit there and you go, I mean, you still have most of your core from that that very solid, basically the first team of the Vegas Golden Knights. You brought in Phil Kessel on a, a very team-friendly contract. But that's what it is, team-friendly. Now, I mean, a lot of players are going to be sitting there and going, okay, Vegas could be an option. But if Phil Kessel, who's played, who has an Iron Man streak, who scored – 44 assists last year off the top of my head and he's getting a million and a half okay i'm sorry but i'm not going to to vegas mm-hmm. there's too many things that need to happen if a player comes off the injured reserve if somebody goes down and you need to make a move i don't think their farm system is good enough for them to supplement no. that loss there's just uh, for time purposes I think as time goes on, it's going to get worse.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that, you know, last year I kept saying they're going to have to trade someone, they're going to have to do something, but they were able to make it work temporarily. Yeah, Mark Stone is apparently injured. He had back surgery. And he is supposedly out for most of the season this year, or at least to start the season, but he's going to be available for training camp and like all this stuff. And I don't understand how any of that works, because I feel like that is truly circumventing the cap, but illegally.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, we know how the NHL deals with those, and those are buying t shirts for Nikita Kucherov. Um, you no, know, I, I completely agree because now you're, you're sitting there, and again, one of those guys who are injured, he's not on the LTIR right now. So, do you put him on the LTIR? Maybe. But then if he comes back halfway through the year, then again, you have to make that space for that player. And Mark Stone is currently making nine and a half million dollars. So if at one point you have to make a move or if Mark Stone comes back halfway through the year off the LTIR, then you're going to have to move nine and a half million dollars off of your roster. If Robin Leonard comes back, then you're going to have to move five million dollars off your roster. How do you do that in the middle of a season?
0: They just shouldn't have traded for Jack Eichel. Like that's what this goes back to. It's yeah. Jack
1: Eichel. 100%. Jack Eichel is in a worse spot than what he was in before. Right. Because of himself almost.
0: Right. Like, so. I just, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I don't know how you do this. I think if they want to, they, they could absolutely trade Riley Nash. No, Riley Smith. I always see Riley Nash, but I mean Riley Smith. <laughs> um riley smith i i think he's making like 4.5 million dollars so and i think that he's a great depth player that a lot of people would love to have on their team he's producing and whatnot so i know i think a team that is in a uh you know contending spot would trade for him but i don't know i just know that vegas's general manager will not be up for our next question (laughs)
1: yes that's that was i was trying to figure out a way to to lead into it and i was going to say it it, for the vegas golden knights to figure out what happens next it's going to take one heck of a gm and now as you mentioned our next question is who is going to be our, our early prediction for the general manager of the year. I think we might honestly have the same answer here, which I'm not too pumped about. So Jess, I'll let you go first.
0: (laughs) Um, I think like right out of the gate, it's Brad tree living. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he made the best of a horrendous situation (laughs) two times. So I think that, you know, you really have to give it to him at least for now. Like we don't know what this team is going to look like on the ice. But on paper, it looks great. So, uh, Tree Living, I again, you don't know what this team could look like. Well, th-
1: no, that's the thing. You don't because you sit there and you go, as you've mentioned numerous times on Twitter, we've talked about it as well, is they have 10 defensemen under a one-way contract right now. Yeah. And the Calgary Flames are currently sitting there with – Two million dollars in cap space. Technically, it says here on uh, uh, cap friendly. But if you move a defenseman, you can get a top six winger, even even a top nine winger, and that's a very exciting team. There's still space and wiggle room to make a move here for uh, the the Calgary Flames and still get better. I mean, like you mentioned, like the biggest thing for a, a general manager is not necessarily always being ahead it's weathering the storms that come and two of the biggest storms potentially ever in johnny goodrow and uh matthew kachuk both leaving and they go okay sounds good i'm gonna get a player just like johnny goodrow but a little bit more mature almost maybe a different player i guess would be a different way to put it and then you basically get a, a matthew kachuk 2.0 in and Kadri, and, and you're sitting there and going oh okay all of a sudden I'm not feeling too bad
0: right and I, I don't know I I I still haven't accepted that <laughs> Goudreau is not going to be on the Flames opening roster but yeah. you know I think that's just kind of part of summer when you're like oh yeah they're not on my team anymore but I don't know. I just, I feel like it's going to be tree living and it's a contract year for him. So what a great time for this to happen.
1: Funny little story, uh, just kind of off topic a little bit, but about Trey Living. Uh, a couple, I guess, earlier this month in August, me and my buddies went up to, or I guess, down to Minnesota, and we're we went to a Jay's game, and then all of a sudden we're sitting in like this random park in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Some guy starts walking down we're by a river. And he has, or a lake, I guess, because the land of a thousand, 10,000 lakes. And he has his fishing gear. And we start talking to him. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm from Manitoba. I came down here working. We started talking about hockey. And he goes, Oh, my, my cousin is. Brad Trey Living and we're like wait what and he what? starts talking and he goes yeah I had this wedding but unfortunately he couldn't make it because he was too busy dealing with this Johnny Gaudreau thing so even even with the, the personal things that happened in the summer Trey Living was giving it it's all for the uh, Calgary Flames. So I think that little story kind of gives it gives you a little a bit of a an insight as to what really happens with those big types of deals. Obviously you see in the off season all these players and front office staff going to the 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 weddings and this and that, the vacations, everything like that. While Trey Living's back in Calgary going and doing what he needs to to make sure that this team can beat the Edmonton Oilers, can beat the Colorado Avalanche, can beat all these other teams to take the next step for probably – I'm going to sit there and go the the best coach over the last couple of decades. Decades? Yes, decades. Decades is 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yes, GM of the year for me is also Brad Living. I, I I don't want to throw in, oh, Ken Holland as well. But uh, it, to be a little different, I would also throw in Kenny Holland. I think what he's done with the Oilers, making sure that he also has, because it's taken such a long time for people, for anybody really to find Connor McDavid a, a winger for him that can really work with. He's kept uh, the defense basically intact as well. He found a goaltender. The Edmonton Oilers can be a very scary team because of the the little intricate works that uh, Ken Holland has done, but it's nothing compared to what Brad Living has done for the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Should we? I guess we have. Uh, those were our general manager questions. Now, now's now's the, the 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 fun part. The fun now one. the fun part. We have two two more questions remaining, and uh this one's a little fun. This one has uh, something to do with the jerseys, the reverse retros, a fun little uh, announcement that came out. And this isn't Western Conference; it's the Eastern Conference. The Buffalo Sabers are going back to their black and reds. The Buffalo. So, I love them. I love I them. I love it. So let's go into back into the Western Conference and predict who is going to have the best reverse retros this season because they're coming out with brand new ones. Jess, who do you think is gonna have the best reverse retro this year in the Western Conference?
0: I I feel like I can't say the flames because Blasty Blasty is coming back, but
1: Oh yes.
0: And it's just Beautiful, it's gorgeous. I've seen prototypes. Sorry, I, I didn't sign an NDA, so like I'm just saying, <laughs> but whatever. Um, but I I really want to see Colorado do something uh with the Nordiques. Ooh. I really want to see that. So I'm gonna say Colorado.
1: See, that's what I was thinking as well because the Nordiques would just be such a beautiful throwback. They did kind of a little bit. Well, not a little bit. They did do the Nordiques again this year. I was just, I wonder if they don't go to their like away jerseys for that. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking as well. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do for those. Um, For me, I'm going with and I don't want to say the Edmonton Oilers and I don't <laughs> agree at all because I think I'm a big it sounds like they're going to be bringing back the uh, the cogged logo, the flying Cog basically and uh, I'm a big fan of that. I love the old ones, the McFarland jerseys as they're called up here. Uh, the Spawn jerseys I used to call them because McFarlane made Spawn but um, they're making ugly I guess they're trying to modernize it to the Oilers like orange and blue and I'm yeah. just like nah that ain't it I'm going with the Pacific team and that's the Anaheim Ducks I'm saying the Anaheim <laughs> Ducks you can't ever go wrong with the masked duck, you can't ever go wrong with it. I don't care. Bring back the old vintage, uh, uh, like the nineteen nineties or Paul Korea type. Give yes. me a purple. Give me a, a good old uh, mask.
0: Greeny. Yes. Yes. I'm such. Oh my god. And oh, I know geez. that they moved away from it because, like, they wanted to separate themselves from Disney and, like, yeah. not be a juvenile team. Capitalize on it because your
1: team is young. Exactly. Now is the time to do it. And, um, Imagine all the young kids who are sitting there and now obviously as well there's the 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 Mighty Ducks series on Disney Plus. So you might as well have all those kids who are sitting there going, "Oh man, Coach Bombay is so cool." And then they'll mature and go oh, no, Coach Bombay is just like all the other coaches I've ever had. But Anyways, uh, then you can go and sit there and also sell Trevor Ziegler's jerseys on top of that. Plus, then you can try and get maybe Disney along with it because Disneyland is only about a 10-minute drive from the Honda Center. Wow! And then you have, like, people our age who, like,
0: grew up. And, like, I swear, there is a picture at every family event from, like, The 90s to the 2000s where one of my cousins is in that mighty ducks t-shirt so why not capitalize on that nostalgia because you know people in their mid to late 20s and older absolutely love nostalgia and they go back to when they didn't have crippling debt and (laughs) bill you
1: no! <laughs> what it would take to be young again! No, 100%. Because, again, you can get that nostalgia, but at the same time, you can also start to breed the next generation of Anaheim Ducks fans. Yes. And also can start with, uh, the and hockey fans in general. Yeah. I was watching the Danbury Trashers uh, doc. It's my first time watching it. I know I'm a year and a half late. I later. haven't
0: watched it yet, so don't feel it's- bad.
1: It's not bad. It's not bad. I'll, I'll give it that. But uh, it, like he said, just a a guy from Connecticut, a kid from Connecticut, started to love hockey and wanted to to be in hockey because of the or the 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 mighty ducks and that's that's the story for so many kids from the 90s who yeah. love hockey so why not try and bring that back in a market that needs it again maybe not necessarily a market that needs it again because anaheim duck fans are fantastic every interaction i've had with ducks fans have been fantastic yeah, so but just might as well. I mean, Southern California isn't exactly a, a hockey hotbed, but as well, at the same time, you have Trevor Zegers on the cover of NHL this year. So you have a guy on the Anaheim Ducks you can, who also has the, the Mighty Wing uh, logo on it. Yeah. Maybe they are talking about it. Maybe they are. Uh, but that was a nice little rant about yeah, Jersey. Right? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Our final question does come back to the ice, and you pose this question as uh, who other than Connor McDavid will get more goals well i'm I'll start this one off because I don't think it's going to be Connor McDavid that people need to worry about. I think this guy I know this guy is going to get more goals than connor mcdavid it's going to be Leon Drysel. the most oh, goals in the okay. Western Conference. It's got to be Leon Drysad. I-, I talked about it yesterday on my show on Locked On Oilers, and I gave kind of a prediction of how many goals to expect from each player. I had McDavid at between 50 or 40 and 50. But I had Leon between 50 and 60. I could see him – I mean, it would be the third time in his career that he reaches 50. Uh, Him and uh, Matthews had a little bit of a fight near the end of the season. Uh, uh, Matthews obviously won that one. Leon didn't play in the final final game of the year. Um, So I could see Leon pushing 60 at some point, especially with the team the Edmonton Oilers do have. And if they do, if the rumors are true and they try and bring in Patrick Kane as well, another puck moving forward, it just makes it that much easier. I mean, imagine defenses and and shorthanded units having to sit there and go, oh, okay, here's Connor McDavid, here's Leon Drysidel, here's Patrick Kane. Why even put another team
0: out against them? Like, (laughs) why?
1: Let, literally let
0: have an off day it's fine
1: just right? just put in a shooter tutor and try your best like yes, it, 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 exactly. for me it's Leon Dreisaitl all day
0: you know that is a very good choice but I have Kirill Kaprizov because Ooh. I just I don't know kill a uh, the thrill is just phenomenal you know a lot of people I feel like kind of wrote him off his rookie year because he was what 24 okay that's cool but your team you would do anything to have him on your team and with the uh, with players that are coming up and through the system and even uh leaving college or graduating college like Matt Boldy coming in and just I think it's going to be such a fun team to watch but I, I just again why put your your goalie in net and Kirill is coming at you full speed.
1: Kirill, the thrill in the uh, central division. You got Phil, the thrill in the uh, Pacific division. Got a lot of thrills to be thrilled about this yeah. next season. If you're a Western conference hockey fan, I love that show. I love, I, I've been a big supporter of Kirill Capra's off since the start. I, I, I love that. I dig it.
0: Yeah. Dig it. I'm. I'm here for it. You know, I'm, I don't care what people say. As a fellow "quote unquote" bloomer, I will take it. We are entering our prime at 24 and 25 years old as yes! adults. Um, after that, it's just kind of hoping the caffeine and the coffee works. But it's okay. <laughs> it's okay.
1: So, we must be we must be millennials, eh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in to another edition of Western Conference Wednesday. As the season is officially drawing closer, we are here for you every day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. You can find Locked on Flames wherever you find Locked on NHL or your other podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and the show LO underscore Flames pod. Brett, where can we find you?
1: You can find me personally at The Real Holden 40. I talk about soccer on there as well. I talk about football, a whole bunch of stuff. But you don't care about me. You care about the hockey and the Oilers. And you can find the Locked On Oilers channel at Locked On Oilers, exactly how it sounds on Twitter. And also, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Locked On Oilers. Or if you just like listening to us, you can also find our podcast anywhere you find well your podcast
0: look at that and we will be back next wednesday which my goodness that is already september (laughs) but (laughs) time is flying by and we cannot wait to chat with you see you then